This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for July 27th, 2021. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us in the Voices of Wrestling feed, or you can find us on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that's to sponsor this podcast, and you can set up a one-time or recurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts, Joel Pal, Iron Mike Spears, joined as always by my friend co-host, Case Lowe. And Case, it's the big show. It is time. We are now, as of the time recording, less than four days out from the biggest weekend in Dragon System history. Are you pumped? Because I am practically vibrating in my new computer chair right now. It's a mix of good and bad feelings, Mike Spears. Of course, I'm ecstatic. It's Kobe World Weekend. It's Speedstar Final Weekend. The two biggest shows in arguably the history of the company. It's a great time to be a Dragon Gate fan. I'm in a somber mood, however, because I think back to Kobe World 2019, which is roughly when this iteration of the podcast really began to take shape and we started recording on a more frequent basis. And I realize that this could be my final episode as I could contract the Delta variant of the novel coronavirus at Lollapalooza this weekend. And this could be it for me. This might be it. And it's a real shame because I, I enjoy coming on this podcast every week. I am very much looking forward to these shows. And there is a chance that by next week I am struggling to breathe. So we'll see how this goes, Mike. Okay, so this goes contrary to all of my plans. My plans were that since I'm older... You, when I eventually kick the bucket, you're going to get a mysterious traveler. Maybe it will be the, maybe it'll be Andrade Idolo's tablet guy who shows up to your door 15, 20, 30 years from now. And you, you get this giant chest of all my miscellaneous Dragon Gate notebooks, my hard drives, all the DVDs. And you have to explain that to your partner and your possible children. What did daddy just get? You, you, you you can't get a Delta variant this weekend. This ruins plans have been formulating for a while look i'm not necessarily looking forward to it again uh, i am i am going for business not pleasure although i am going to a front bottoms after show this weekend with the captain rich crage and that is purely a pleasure destination but yeah i'm not necessarily looking forward to it i do think it's crazy that you think despite having a bit of uh, an age gap on me that you think you will perish before I do, because, uh, Mike, I'm not sure if you have seen 
the Leonard Skinner behind the music, but I watched that often as a child, a big fan of VH1 Classic growing up, and I don't remember which uh, Hillbilly brother says it, but they're talking about Ronnie Van Zant, and the guy looks into the camera, he's like, you know, Ronnie used to tell me he always thought he would die young, and then that plane crash happened, and sure enough, he died young. And as about an 11-year-old child watching behind the music, which is already a big enough red flag, I watched that and went, yeah, that makes sense. And ever <laughs> since then, it's really been uh, uh, providing a bit of a stranglehold over my entire life. I'm always afraid to have too much fun, as fun is the number one cause of death in my mind. I mean, Roddy Van Zandt, I mean, that was a guy who was, the, the phrase that Mama Spears would say is, this is a guy who lived, who lived through life like he was ridden hard and put away wet. Like, you know. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> There's some weird sayings in the Spears household. What can I say? What can I say? But I mean, as long as you, oh, I forgot that that plane flight came from Greenville. Oh, wow. So uh, don't ever come visit and fly into the airport, Kiss. You're, you're going to drive take a plane or, or take no not take a plane take a <laughs> you, what are you trying to do mike i'm trying to get your notebooks <laughs> that's true that, that, that's true my five now i'm up to five dragon gate notebooks at this point of when we, every single uh, dragon gate we we oh, flirted with the idea we flirted with the idea you know we will both be in chicago for all out weekend this year assuming that show Look, I look. I'm, I'm going to be there. I, I yeah. At, at this point, here's the thing. I did everything right for just about 18 months. I, I on record on this show, I have followed every step that the CDC has boys. put in front of me. We've been really good, and I just, I don't have it in me to totally reset. I can be more cautious, yeah. but I can't. I can't fully reset. I can't go back to the nothingness. That was March of 2020 through about April of 2021. I I literally do not have it in me. So, yeah, I'm going to go to All Out, and I expect to see you there. And while I will primarily be traveling with the ragtag crew of Joey Bay and Sean Sloan, I'm going to make some time for Iron Mike Spears, and maybe there's a bit of a, a an in-person open the voice gate recording in the works. Can't make any promises now, but... You put Mike Spears and I in the same city, we're bound to found, find some microphones, and and who knows what content could come of that, Mike? I, I mean, I feel at a certain point, like, it would be after, like, if nothing else is happening, it, it will be you commenting on the insane tracksuit that I'm planning on bringing up there. Like, I'm, I, I was a good boy for 18 months. I have, I have no qualms wearing a mask. Like, it doesn't bother me. I even put the filter in the mask. Like, I, I'm a recovering germaphobe. Like, I, I'm prepared for this, but... I'm going to Chicago, so this is the attitude I like. This is a Mike Spears. Put it in quotes. Put it in quotations. I'm going to Chicago. Shots fired at Dr. Fauci. Mike Spears says he's not afraid of the Delta variant, and who can blame him? I mean, the, there is a complex thing about <laughs> the the vaccine rollout in the United States as it applies to the CDC, individual state governments, medical access, especially in the South and the Deep South and in people's distrust of the media, but I I just, like, I got my shots. I'm prepared to get a booster this fall. Like, I'm just going to treat it like the flu shot. You know, you just get them both at the same time because the rest of the United States has decided that they don't, that they want this thing to continue. So, I mean, I, I, I've been on a plane since Delta variant came out here. Okay, so I'm fine. So, 
do we uh do we think and we can we can slowly transition into wrestling here but if the, if the united but real quick but let me get on my soapbox one more time if the united states government said come get your vaccine we will give you five hundred dollars on site if you take it right here do you think the vaccination rate would increase uh nationally or in my area uh give me nationally and then in your area Nationally, yes, I think that that would increase. We've seen the incentives happen, like that one bar in New Jersey. Of course, it's New Jersey, or is it Philadelphia? Doesn't matter. Tri-state area bar that offered a beer to everyone with their vaccine card for a month. Like people do apply to if there are some sort of benefits. I think that that can override a lot. Especially five hundred dollars is a lot of money. So I could see that happening in South Carolina. I forgot who I was telling this to, but uh, people have to. People need to realize South Carolina is a crazy state where the population is mostly centered in three population areas, and the rest of the state is still very rural. And with all the, the all the issues that happens with uh, people who live in rural rural areas, and those people don't like it if you're on your, their property. So I don't see that changing in South Carolina. I think it's uh, something that that the uh the crew the crew being the united states government needs to roll out i think that would be uh something that would only help the country because it's hard to turn down 500 dollars. it's also hard to turn down the red hot action that dragon gate pro wrestling is providing this weekend with kobe world pro wrestling festival and speed star the masada yoshino retirement show We'll be upfront about it. We'll be clear. Other podcasts might not pick up on this nuance. It's not two Kobe Worlds. It's Kobe World and it's Speed Star Final. And we've got a preview of both of those shows on this podcast, Mike Spears. That's right. This is the big show. Everyone else, they may spend some time about it. But other than the first nine minutes and whatever tangents we make it up to, because we are Case of Mike and that's what we do, no one's going to preview and break down the upcoming weekend, the doubleheader and Kenan World Hall, which is World Kenan Hall. So, interesting weekend, just so everyone knows, because they have top, thanks to them for actually having the time zone differences. Uh, Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival 2021 will be on the 31st at 1600 local time. That is 3 a.m. for the East Coast, midnight for the West Coast, and 7 Greenwich Mean Time. Now, we have the full card for Speedstar, uh, not for Speedstar. We don't have the full card for Speedstar Final. We do have the full card, however, for Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival. It's a peculiar weekend, as you all have seen, as it's Dragon Gate Week at Voices of Wrestling. We've been talking all about the ramifications of this week. Each champion enters Kobe World, and they know that if they want to escape Kobe World Cannon Hall on Sunday, they're going to have to have two matches and two nights, less than 24 hours. So I think that's where we've talked about in our little pre-pro ahead of time. We're going to focus a whole lot there. However, let's just go through this undercard pretty quickly. Uh, I'm just going to run down the, the matches before we get to the stuff that truly matters, okay, so that works for you. Let's do it, Mike. All right, so match zero. Don't know if this will be on the stream or not. It is Kenichiro Rai, Yazushi Kanda, and Kness versus Super Shisa, Konamao Ichikawa and Sachi Hoko Boy. You know that that's a match that's probably been a match zero at a lot of shows in Dragon Gate's history. Uh, match one, the official opener, we have 
Mochi Fuji reuniting with Ryo Saito against the R.E.D. trio of BB Hulk, Kai, and Hio. And match two, this is the oh-who-else-is-left-on-the-card match of the night. Takashi Yoshida, Yosuke San Maria, and Natural Vibes UT and Funky Jackie Kamei versus Gamma, High Ends Binkei, Problem Dragon, and Punch Nomonaga. They really have, they, they really did a match just throwing everyone together, didn't they? Yeah, match two, that eight-man tag, is about as random of pairings as you can get outside of a Doi Darts match in this promotion. There is really guys all over the board in this match, talent level all over the board. I mean, you've got Ben K, who is in a Twin Gate match night two. He's in a featured match and a big title match. Night one is in such a nothing match. Now, there's a chance that, you know, here... We get some extended interactions of UT and Ben K or even Funky Jackie and Ben K. I think those would do this match a great service. But the talent disparity on that team, Ben K, which we can put in his own stratosphere, and then Gamma Problem Dragon Punch Tamanaga, that is a a trio of trios to say the least. That is the C team of the Dragon System rolling through into Kobe World. Basically, that's some of the Cavaliers teams that LeBron took to the finals. That is Matthew Dellavedova <laughs> and fucking not Drew Gooden was on an earlier team. That's basically yeah, Drew that's, Drew, that's Drew Gooden, Wally Zerbiak and Booby Gibson with yeah. LeBron in 2007, leading the Cavs to the finals against the Spurs. That is the comp of comps on this show. It's only going to get better from here. Mike Spears, I can assure you that. And then this other team, Yoshida Maria, UT Kamei, you know, Yoshida had the Twin Gate run earlier in the year. I thought maybe he would have a bit of a more featured spotlight on these shows. I certainly don't mind him in the position that he's in. The Natural Vibes kids, look, I love them. I think they're great. I think as we go along, Kamei is going to be in plenty of Twin and Triangle and Brave Gate matches probably on this show in his career. I still think UT, barring any more catastrophic injuries, could very easily find himself either coming into a Kobe world as a Brave Gate champion or leaving Kobe world as a Brave Gate champion at some time in his career. This year is not that year. He is in the most random match of random matches. Yeah, and that opener, I mean, Mochi Fuji, I mean, Don Fuji, he hasn't thrown anyone off a balcony or attempted since uh, COVID precautions were taking place, but I'm looking at Hio, and that's a guy that's got to hug a guardrail there and then i mean saves hulk really so that he can go full force at speed star final and then the rest of it i mean i mean this is kind of where things are not that mochizuki doesn't have anything going on at the moment and everyone else i mean match zero that's all part-timers at this point so not really as much there anything you wanted to touch on with those two matches where we get into the meat of this card Yes, I have to issue a brief fact correction on your behalf because you apparently did not see the photos of the July 23rd house show in Yamaguchi where photos surfaced of Don Fuji trying to throw Konomama Ichikawa off of a balcony on that house show. Those are on Twitter somewhere if you can find them. Thank God. Nature's Nature's healing. That's the thing, like... Japan, you know, cases rising, vaccine issues, but 
Don Fuji's back to trying to throw people off a balcony. So really, you can take what you can get there. Like things are not all as bad in Japan in Japan right now as people might think they are. Because Don Fuji did attempt murder on that house show, and those pictures are somewhere. I meant to retweet them on the Open the Voice Get account, but I, I forgot. But those pictures are out there. That was a, a very fun thing to wake up to to scroll past those pictures. And yeah, the the first two matches here. I, I obviously wish Mochizuki and to some extent Fuji had higher profile matches on these shows, but it hasn't it hasn't been their year. Mochizuki again had a twin gate run, did his thing with Yoshida. Now he's firmly part time between here and with Noah and Fuji is Don Fuji. He's always going to be in this spot on Kobe world and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of what it is. And then case we have six straight bangers really looking at the rest of the show with that that's it for like the fat we start off special singles match kota minonora versus eta and boy case they're proving our point that we've made over the last few weeks right kota minonora if you aren't paying attention to kota minonora now this is your big this is like your last chance before he really starts taking off i think that this is going to be the eventual Maybe when that leads him to the Dangerous Gate uh, shot at Oda Ward. Yeah, we have the blueprint for this match in place. I think we kind of know what this is going to look like. And that is what happened between KZ and Shun Skywalker at this very event in 2019. A match that was, you know, a singles match, match three on the card, that when it was announced, I, that KZ Skywalker match, the vibe was like, oh, that's... That's a little random. I mean, we're not complaining. It's a it's a random singles match. We don't get too many of those, but you know, I wonder what this is going to be. I think Minora's coming into this show with much more momentum than Casey or Skywalker had in the summer of 2019. Ata, weirdly enough, who headlined this event last year, I think would have headlined against Doi had we been living under a normal calendar, but instead he headlined as the champion against Shun Skywalker, and that's where the Skywalker Dreamgate run began. Aja feels like a non-entity, and we've talked about this a little bit on the show. We talked about this a little bit with Jay. His run as the leader of R.E.D., by no means uh, do I think he's failing in his current position, but I, I do think he's been pushed out by some extent in a, in a metaphorical sense by S.P. Kento and to some extent Kaito Ishida and to some extent Cosmo Sakamoto. And it's very, very interesting that I mean, I don't see any way that Ato wins this match. I would be gravely, gravely disappointed if Ato wins this match. I think this is the Coach Minora platform. I think they are using this, as Mike said, to build him up to headline Dangerous Gate 2021, which is an incredible task for someone who debuted just over three years ago at this point. The progression in this promotion is unbelievable. The young talent is superb. I think Minora is ready for this spot. I think he and Ata are going to go out there and kill it. I mean, outside of, of King of Gate, and I guess, you know, he, he did have that Dreamgate run, but Mike, when was the last time Ata had a big singles match like this? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. It, it, well, I it's guess I, least... yeah, it's, uh, it would have been the Ultimo match and then the, the yeah. Dragon Kid feud, which I was not into any of that stuff i was a vocal uh a vocal detractor from the eight to dragon kid feud i understood a lot of why they were doing it but i don't think those matches ever delivered 
it's crazy to think that Ultimo versus Ata happened. That already feels like it was just in another universe, and that was only a year and a half ago on the same show as Ben K versus Shun Skywalker, which sent Shun to Mexico after that. But yeah, this feels like, you know, a match where we could get the Ata of old, either, you know, the Ata that we saw against Susumu or Tozawa in King of Gate 2016. Maybe Ata's really feeling jacked up and he gives a 110% effort like he did against Liger in the Super J-Cup. I think for you and I, guys that... Uh, certainly respect where H has added in his career, but haven't always been the biggest fans of heel faction leader Ata. We yearn for that summer of 2016 part of his career where he had all of this momentum and it led up to him winning the Brave Gate belt at Kobe World 2016. He beat Yosuke Santa Maria for the title. And that four month period leading up to that win in July felt like, oh my God, H is going to be the guy. H is going to be the guy. And then in my mind, it just didn't happen. And while he is an incredibly successful wrestler, incredibly popular, sells a lot of merchandise, it is, he has always been so hot and cold with me. I am either in love with what he's doing or I am hating what he's doing. And this is the first time where I'm without an opinion because he's been so de-emphasized in the booking. He's really become almost a part-time player i mean he's still on every show but he doesn't feel like a focal point where for three or four years ato was leading the charge and i think this is just the perfect meeting of a guy on the way up and a guy who might not be on the way down forever but is certainly sliding down the card right now and ata i'm pumped for this i think this is good booking i think this is an exciting matchup I have voiced my opinions about how I feel like Minora got screwed out of at least being in the Dreamgate picture this weekend. I'm still annoyed that he's not in the Dreamgate picture this weekend, given what they're doing with Yamato, but this right. is the next best option. Yeah, and it's a real fascinating moment. And I I guess like my big wonder about this match, like I think we both, unless they're going to do R.E.D. shenanigans, Ada wins, which I mean, I feel like they're not going to do that especially given the care they've put towards Minora lately. I guess, like, my big question, because, like, I, I, I echo most of your, your sentiments there. I don't really have too much out there. Do we get to see the first time that someone pulls out a move bequeathed to them by Masato Yoshino in the finish here? Do we see Kota Minora, who is granted the Sol Naciente, getting his uh, win and a definitive win against the most recent Open the Dream Game champion at Kobe World with Masato Yoshino's finishing maneuver. I know if I had the pencil, that's what I'm doing. To me, yeah, that's absolutely the finish because you look at the other guys that have been gifted moves by Yoshino, and I don't necessarily think too many of them are in positions to win uh, win their matches this weekend. But Minora is obviously in a position where he can win, where he should win. And I think he should be using the Sol Naciente. He should be getting whatever momentum he can get as he heads in to what should be a Dreamgate challenge against what I, you know, we'll talk about the Dreamgate scene later. But yeah, he should absolutely beat Ata with the Sol Naciente. I think that would be terrific booking. And it's something like Ata... It is so noticeable his I I don't like calling it like slide down the card. He's treading water, really. I mean, the focus has been pulled. They've racked focus over to young RED. And I guess like my big questions that I have here, like one, Ata's not going anywhere. Ever just to diffuse that he's just 
he gets to cosplay Perito, his favorite wrestler of all time. So that's cool. Gets expense ministries there. I guess like the big thing in it and my big story of the weekend outside of the title picture is going to be, are they going to immediately position what I feel like a lot of us are anticipating and the eventual Ada face turn, or is this going to be something that they decide this weekend's for Yoshino, even though they're going to probably have Yamato win the Dreamgate title on the, on the card there. And they just kind of keep Ada in this holding pattern to, I think the first show after Kobe World is Corkin in August, I believe. I believe it's in August as I'm pulling this up right now. Yeah. Um, no, they have a Osaka Edeon 2 show on the 9th before that. So it's an interesting time frame with them. But I guess like my big question about this match, because I feel like we're on the same page about Minora. Do, do you think we might start seeing the start of whatever is going to be the unit playing field in a post-Yoshino world, or are we going to kind of put the brakes on that for two weeks and we'll deal with it as after they take their summer break? I think we're going to start to see movement on the RED front. I don't necessarily think it's going to come from the ATA match. I think there's other stuff this weekend that is going to determine what the heel unit looks like going forward, and that doesn't necessarily involve ATA, which is an interesting situation to be in because... For three years, for four years almost, Ata has been the heel unit, with the exception of Pac, who rescued R.E.D., and I, I really use that term to its most literal meaning. He rescued this unit from coming across like an abysmal failure. Pac rescued this unit and then gracefully handed the baton to Ata. and all of a sudden Ata was like, oh my god, I'm in the lead. All of a sudden this unit's amazing. What happened? Oh, it was Pac for, for nine months. That's what happened. But yeah, I mean, it's just crazy to me. Like, I don't, is not going anywhere. I don't even necessarily want him to go anywhere, but I would love if just the Japanese system worked in a way to where he could entirely remove himself from this promotion for six or seven months, go to Noah, and then come back and get a baby face pop and a return and fight, you know, SB Kento and Hip Hop Kakuta and whoever else is going to turn on him, which I think is the eventual goal here. It's just crazy how he's so much of an afterthought after headlining this show last year. And that's not a dig on him. I think it's necessary. I feel like Ata has become so much more palatable now that there's really no focus on him. It's a nice change of pace. I think we're going to see it to answer your question more directly. We're going to see the start of the heel unit shifting and the post Yoshino unit formations uh, begin to take shape on these shows. I just don't think Ata Minora is the match to have your eyes on in terms of that. Yeah, no, no, that that's the overall thing. Like, I don't think it's going to happen really in the singles match, but I think it's something to see, like, it was notable at Memorial Gate when he defeated Naruki Doi that he shoved off all of the RED interference and wanted to win it clean. It'll be interesting to see if we start to see those tendencies again as we go on with the show. Uh, let's, do you want to talk about the uh, one other non-title match on the show before we start talking about the title situation? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So in the penultimate match in Masato Yoshino's career, we have a 10-man tag. Speed Star Final Countdown in Kobe. This is like the fourth final countdown in Kobe. So I guess it was five, four, three, two, and this is one. It is Masato Yoshino, Suji Kondo, Toru Washi, Brother Yashi, and Takuya Sugawara. So all of T2P versus Ultimo Dragon, Naruki Doi, Yamato, Dragon Kid, 
and Kagatora. So T2P versus Home Army slash Torimon X. Yeah, this is what I assumed we were going to get on the first. Obviously, I've been saying on the show for months, look, Toro Washi was going to get a payday on this show. He's one of Masada Yoshino's best friends, and that man was going to be here no matter what. I was surprised by the inclusion of Yashi. I was surprised by the inclusion of Kondo due to his injury. I am uh, very aware that Sugawara is going to be on this show. You know, you can't win them all. But this match is what I was expecting. I knew we'd get at least something like this throughout the weekend. It should be fun. Like we talked about with Ata versus Minora, we have the blueprint for what this match should look like. In their case, it's KZ versus Skywalker from 2019. In this case... It's the Ultimo match from 2019. That match was beautiful. I think about that match often and just how in a business where, and especially in modern times, where it just seems like things are rarely satisfactory as fans of even this promotion at times. I think 2021 has been a frustrating year for Dragon Gate, given how great 2020 was, but especially just across the globe. It seems like fans are fighting an uphill battle for enjoyment when it comes to most promotions they follow right now that ultimo match in 2019 was so satisfying and just exactly what i wanted from a match like that and i have no doubt that they will deliver the same sort of satisfactory satisfactory here yeah that's kind of where i come to it is that really there, there's the moments we want to see like if yoshino does one tarzan yell here and goes for a lot of his trademark offense when he's tagged in. That's what you want here. Sugawara's here. Like, I mean, he exists just as much as he did the last time he was here. It, it'll be interesting to see Kondo with Kondo and Dragon Kid. Like, that's always a hot matchup and always something to underline when you see that on your match card as well. And then, I mean, you're like looking at the rest of it. You have Naruki Doi. We have talked hours about Masato Yoshino, Naruki Doi, Yamato, and Kagatora, who have. I think that's the person taking the fall here. I mean, we have Kagatora in this match, though. He has a brave gate. Well, match, yeah, I, I actually I was going to ask you about the finish. I, to that's me, interesting. To me, the finish is Yamato over Sugawara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as I remembered that uh, that Kagatora has next at Speedstar Final, I talked myself immediately out of it. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, Sugawara should eat a gallery uh, after like 20 minutes here. I, I, do, I do think it's a bummer. And Kagatora, who two months ago mind you, two or three months ago, Mike and I were talking about how this man should leave the promotion, how there's nothing left for him to do. He doesn't seem motivated. He doesn't seem interested. This promotion would be better off without him. Kagator has turned this around because as we've seen time after time, when he has something to do, he can rise to the occasion. He's been great since joining High End. I do not want him in this match. He sticks out to me here. He's the one guy. Why can't he switch spots with Mochizuki? Like if Mochi was on the, the team Ultimo here with Doi and Yamato and Dragon Kid, I think this match would really jump off the paper a little bit more because it, it's easy to forget given just the hodgepodge of names that are here. But we're going to get Yoshino versus Ultimo, which is a really exciting combination. We're going to get Yoshino versus Doi, which is everything that's the biggest combination you can get with yoshino on this weekend yoshino versus yamato yoshino versus dragon kid one of his best opponents if not his best opponent of all time there's a lot to sink your teeth into assuming yoshino's even at 80 percent in this match 
And then there's Kagatora, who's going to be great, who's going to fit in. He obviously has the skill. I think he can add something to this match. But just given the prestige of everything that's going on here, Masato Yoshino's second to last match feels like a spot for Masaki Mochizuki more so than Kagatora. I think it's a bit of a bummer that he's in here, even if I don't think he's going to actively hurt the match. Yeah, it makes you wonder if they're, because Masato Yoshino, one of the most famously guarded people in this promotion, maybe he's really close with Kakatora, uh behind the ring, outside the ring. Maybe that's why it's happening, because, you know, I'm looking at the rest of it, and we talked about how the undercard is just get everyone on the show and the places that they should be in, but there's at least three people on the show and the undercard that'll be like, all right, no, um, Mochizuki, as you said, he should be in to this. Ryo Saito, I mean, like that's someone who maybe does not have the relationship or the history with Masato Yoshino, but I mean, Saito, like he would fit in there. It makes sense. I mean, he was the bridge between Toriyaman and Toriyaman 2000 Project. Kness, sadly, I I would love more so than anything else to have Kness in this match instead of Kakatora, but obvious reasons why Kness is in match zero and is not around a whole lot. So it's something where like i wonder if this is like a personal thing that we're just not privy to and and that's the reason why this is happening because if that's not the case then i mean as as you said mochi uh rio saito and kness make miles more sense i mean kness is the is the rival after dragon kid in his in his early career like like the, like he has just as much if not more justification to be in this match than kagatora so it has to be something personal it, it is a bummer that Kness is just not up to the standard of competition to be able to compete in this match because what little interviews of Yoshino there are out there, what I've read compiling lots of Yoshino intel for an article that is now on VoicesWrestling.com, and I'll plug it again at the end of the show, but after what I what was about 18 months of overall research and prep, now was I firing up my laptop every single day for 18 months to write this article? No, but... It took a while to write and took a while to talk to people and have them contribute. But one of the things that I read from Yoshino himself in interviews where I was researching him was how highly he thinks of the Kness feud. And one thing when I talked to guys like Granakuma, who have been Yoshino fans since the T2P days, Rob Viper being another one, just how much those Kness matches stick in the minds of them, how they were such a high point in both men's career. Even Jay said that last week, the Yoshino Kness stuff, especially their Kobe World 2003 match, is arguably the high point of both men's careers. And that mm-hmm. is a very, very lofty statement given what Masato Yoshino has done. I would love for him to be in this match, but he would stick out in this match, whereas Kagatora it's almost more of an aesthetic thing with him. Like, oh, I, why, why is he in this? I'm sure he'll be fine, but why him? Kness yeah. would be, I understand why he's in this, but why him? He can't keep up with these guys. So it is what it is. I think the match is going to be very fun. Like I said, I think Yamato over Sugawara is going to be the move here. And I, I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be an emotional weekend. I mean, I, I am fully prepared. I'm not saying I'm going to shed tears over Masato Yoshino, but I, I do anticipate on some level to be impacted by both of his matches this weekend. And I think this is a good one on paper to really set the table for what will come on August 1st. Yeah. And the only other thing I'd add in, and I'm certain this is not the first instance of it, but I just remember the Kness and Yoshino feud was the beginning of the phrase, or at least to my memory of hot fighting in the dragon system, because that was all about the hot fight there. It's just a shame that, 
You know what I mean? Eight, time is the only game in town that we all lose. We've been really dark early on in this show. <laughs> Mike, why don't uh, you tell the folks about hot fighting if they don't know what that means? So hot fighting was a translation of like the idea of a really passionate match that's all about the match itself. It's not about the social dance wrestling. It's not about the hot guys. It's about like the passion you have in the f- in the match. And Kness for a long time kept on saying like how he was always yearning for the hot fight. And that became kind of a catchphrase for him. Well put. And then uh, as we are recording right now and as we anticipate, not all is known for the card for Speedstar Final. So we're going to talk about the title matches in tandem before we close out talking about Masato Yoshino's final match. And I I mean, he was in the last match, so it's worth talking about it here. Let's talk about the Brave Gate scene as it goes into as Keisuke Akuda will try to run the table. On 731, he has Ginki Horiguchi, and the winner of that on August 1st has Kagatora. Very interesting three guys here. So I guess the first way to kind of tackle this is uh, who do you see coming out of the weekend as champion, and how do you see this going? Yeah, so for these title matches, let's go most likely and then most interesting in terms of the outcomes that we think are going to happen on 731 and 8-1. We'll do the, the pairings of title matches together here. I think the most likely outcome is going to be Horiguchi over Akuda and Kagatora over Horiguchi. Where do you stand on this? I can see that happening. I don't think this is a... I don't think this is set up for uh, uh, Okuda to run the table this weekend. I think, though, that I think Ginky Horiguchi does, is most likely to do the clean sweep, and they're going to reset the division for like a placeholder champion maybe for a couple months before they decide what the next direction will be. Kind of what Jay was saying on our previous episode. Yeah, I would love that. To me, that is the most interesting outcome here is Horiguchi over Okuda and then Horiguchi over Kagatora. And there are a few signs pointing towards that. I, I, for one, I don't see Akuda leaving with the belt. I don't even see him entering August 1st as the champion. I think Horiguchi is going to beat him. I feel like that is the natural conclusion of this reign. Akuda, time after time, has shown that he's tougher than his opponents, but he is a man that feels like he is going to get caught in a backslide from heaven. Okay. He might be tougher than Horiguchi, but he is not as smart as Horiguchi is. And that seems like it is going to be his downfall here. If you're pro Horiguchi, like I am, there are a few things to look at that could tip us off into the fact that he could run a clean sweep this weekend. I think that would be the most exciting result possible as a big Genki Horiguchi fan. He is, uh, he's talked. I, I don't remember if it was a quote I read somewhere, or if this is something he said on mic uh, in a promo, but he basically said he's got one run left in him, and I think this could be that run. And then you look at his surrounding factors. For so long, Horiguchi was teaming with Susumu Yokosuka. Well, Susumu's on this show. He's in a tag team match, but he's teaming with King Shimizu. For over 300 days, Susumu and Horiguchi held the Kyushu Pro Tag Team title belts, but they just lost those to Mintai Kid and Alejandro in a match that if you have not seen that, we tweeted out the link at Open Voice Gate on Twitter. That match was terrific. Keishu Pro delivered a notebook quality four-star match between Susumu and Horiguchi and Mintai Kid and Alejandro. Highly recommend checking that out. But now 
Horiguchi finds himself in a position where it looks like he's been replaced as Susumu's tag team partner. He's got to do something. He's got to have something going forward, and I think it's going to be this Brave Gate belt. I hope that's the option they go down. But Kagator has been red hot. I mean, he has momentum. He feels hot. He got the big spot of the no ropes match. And I just don't feel like that's an accident. Yeah, that's that, that that's a fair statement. Uh, you, you touched on Ginky saying he has one last run in him. And that's something I wanted to kind of focus in on just for a second. Uh, for people who do not know, Ginky Horiguchi was off of non-televised shows for a couple of years where he was just doing everything that was the TV hits and the stuff around where he lived. And then he, because of how things have changed in COVID, he's come back and he's wrestled more, but I mean, the, the schedule is not what it used to be. So the idea of one last big Horiguchi run before he kind of slides down and just kind of, I wouldn't be surprised if we were talking about this in 2022, if natural vibes is still a thing and he ends up kind of being the veteran loss post of the unit. So I think that that's a very, realistic possibility and that's why i think like that's so likely uh interesting uh i've really enjoyed kagator as a brave gate champion i thought that he his his last run when he had the set of matches against takahiro yamamura were all excellent matches and it kind of petered out because you had the flamita thing come in where flamita instantly gets a brave gate shot at kobe world whenever he appears I'd and be a damn see- shame that's not happening this year. Sorry to cut you off, but what I would do, Mike, to open up those borders and get demonic Flamita up in Kobe World 2021. <laughs> oh, it's a damn shame that's not happening. Demonic Flamita just makes me so happy. Just tweeting you out demonic Flamita. He's so good. I am. I, I did not watch a lot of Empty Arena Ring of Honor, but I have become fascinated by this promotion, mainly because of who covers it now, where, again, it has become the biggest hub of Lucha Libre in America with Bandito and Rouge and Dragon Lee and Flamita. So your Cubs fans of the world have to watch this product, which means they also have to watch, like, Silas Young matches. And I am just blown away by every ring of honor card i see i can't believe who's on the roster or how they're being used but i know i am pro demonic flamita it's just something that i i I am someone that that i don't know why this is case but i i'm certain you've picked up on this certain combinations of words just amuse me just to no end like when um when katsuya ishikawa the announcer for dragon gate when pack made his return and was already like dream was coming in for the match against Masato Yoshino, and he did this gask and said "bastard pock." That is my favorite <laughs> clip in Dragon Gate history. <laughs> How many times have you seen me like post that clip? It amuses me. Uh, Demonic Flamita is a number two there. Bring back the- Flamita. I hope you're doing well, and you know I'm glad that you get in touch with your demonic side. But yeah, Kagatora as Brave Gate champion. I think there's a lot of interesting matchups coming out of there. I think it's something that with like o- Okuda his. His Brave Gate run started so hot, and then just he's had good matches. They've all been very interesting, but they've kind of petered out at an extent. Whereas with either Ginky or Kagatora, they have a completely open playbook to go with. And I think out of them, the people that Kagatora could be facing, I feel like that the matches are a little bit more interesting since it would be Brave Gate Kagatora versus your UTs, possibly your Hios. I feel like that there's some meat on the bone there. Whereas with Ginky, I know that all the matches will be good to great there, but I don't know how, like 
the, the problem is that that Bravegate title goes to natural vibes, and then you're not going to get a, it's going to be unlikely that you're going to get a UT title shot anytime soon. Uh, Kame is just not there yet. And I think that there's more interesting matchups when, if you give the belt to Kakatora. I think that's fair. I think, you know, if they do Horiguchi versus Kagatora, that's a really even matchup. I think those are two guys that essentially play the same role in different units. Horiguchi, you could argue, has a bit of a higher stature in natural vibes, but he's, you know, someone who's going to be treated as a mid-carder. He's credible, but he's not really a threat to the top-end guys on the roster. You could say the same about Kagatora. I think for either of them, for either of them to win the belt, it's a total reset. You get RAD matchups out of that. You get, you know, if Masquerade is not covered in titles by the end of this weekend, you can plug any Masquerade guy into a Bravegate match, either Dia Lee or Estrella, and those matches could be great. I think most of them would be. You know, Estrella versus Horiguchi is certainly a match that I would like to see. Just the optics of that I, I am fascinated by. And then you've still got all your unaffiliated guys, guys returning from injury soon who could be in line for a Bravegate shot. I think Kagator is leaving the weekend as champion. I think Horiguchi leaving the weekend as champion, though, is the more interesting option. Okay. I th- as I said, I think uh, Horiguchi is leaving the weekend as champion, but Kagator is a more interesting option. So I, uh, we're a little bit divergent there, but we both believe that Mr. Danger Zone is going to have to find other things to do after August 1st. Uh, let's go to Triangle Gate next. So we have the champion team, Dragon Daya, Jason Lee, La Estrella. Their first match is against the R.E.D. team of SB Kento and the Goon Squad, Diamanta and Daya Inferno. The winners of that have probably, with the exception of the Dreamgate matches, the most interesting matchup of the weekend, title-wise. They had to face Aganisu. They have to face Shuji Kondo, Brother Yashi, and Toro Owashi. What a just... We talked about this with Jay. It's just very fascinating to see. And I'm interested to see, like, now we are just so close to the show. What have you kind of landed on with the Triangle Gate situation? I have no feel on either of these matches. I really feel like any result is possible. I continue to change my mind, not only on what I think will happen, but what I think sounds appealing. Because any combination of Masquerade winning, R.E.D. winning, Aganisu winning, R.E.D. beating Aganisu, they all seem very, very realistic. And I have landed on the fact that I do think the most likely outcome this weekend, and this is going to sound nuts, but R.E.D. is going to beat Masquerade, and then Aganisu is going to beat R.E.D. I can't shake this idea. I don't think, you know, Kondo, Yashi, and Awashi are going to have the title reign that Masato Yoshino, T-Hawk, and Akira Tozawa had five years ago where they held the belt for some 300 days. But they're in on these shows, and they're in a big spot. And I just can't shake the visual of those three climbing up the entrance ramp, leaving Kobe World, or I'm sorry, Speedstar Final, with the Triangle Gate belts. It just feels too realistic to me. Yeah, uh, that's where I landed on. I also think it's the most interesting outcome just because of what do you do at that point. I mean, it will be notably heel versus heel. It'll be the first time in a long time that we will have two different heel groups. I mean, Agon is more of the shock heel of the fact that they are here. 
whereas RED is the house heel team. I I think the situ the the sequence you laid out is probably what I go with because you you have this few that like Jason Lee and SB Kento have, have kind of sparked up. You have Daya Inferno and and Dragon Daya. I think we see the finish the, of the match on seven thirty one being Inferno does some sort of chicanery, unmasks, hits the Inferno, and wins the belt there, and then. You get the belts off them the next day, and you have a full steam ahead for the Apuestas match that's been on, that has been looming over both of these guys' head as soon as Daya Inferno appeared. And then Agon, I mean, like, that's the interesting thing about this showcase and, and about these two shows is that with the exception of the Dream and Twin Gate matches, I don't anticipate long championship runs coming out of whoever comes out of, of the weekend as champions here. And Aganiso, just because of Toru Washi has his deal. Brother Yashi is the most busy man in wrestling. He's got his fingers in a lot of pots in the Kyoto Kobe area. And, you know, Sushi Kondo, I mean, he's this still be his second match coming back from a partial Achilles tear in his 40s. And it's just very fascinating that, like, you see, like, this tandem together. And unless somehow Agon morphs R.E.D. into whatever the next heel unit is, you're not going to have two heel groups just floating around for a long time so i think i think it's all very fascinating and i think it's going to be an interesting to play off like i am really into this match at kobe world and i think that this is probably going to be like you have the perfect there perfect person there for Estrella to work off of in diamante you have sb kento and jason lee and there are a few that's been going on there and then you have inferno and dia like that's going to be like the big the big feud for those two guys, at least for this portion of their career. So I think that that there's a lot of stuff there when we look at this RED team and it's, it's, it's a goon squatty team there, but I think there's enough there, at least at Kobe world. And then the idea of a heel versus heel match at speed star final is incredibly fascinating to me. So I really, that's the most intriguing route for me. And I think that's the most likely one as well. It's very realistic that by the time we get to the next big show, which is September 20th, Dangerous Gate. You have to remember, Gate of Origin this year, that's that kind of B-plus level show. It's not quite a big show, but it's bigger than a Corican. That is in November. That is November 27th in Sendai this year. Normally, it's a little closer to our Kobe World Fallout. It's in an entirely different section of the calendar this year. By the time we get to Dangerous Gate, I think it's realistic to think that the roster could look entirely different because RED, I think, is going to change rapidly, and I think they're going to change one way or another as a result of the Aganisu match, and then you've got to do something with Doi, you've got to do something with the returning Strong Machine J, Sora Fujikawa, I anticipate, to be on the first Osaka show back after Kobe World. That's not intel I have, that's just a, a guess given some things that we've heard about this show, you know, Jay talked about it earlier this week on the Dragon Gate J episode that, you know, Fujikawa is waiting for a post-world landscape to return. I expect a new unit to be formed. I expect a shakeup in the heel unit. And I expect it to come by way of this Aganisu match. What do you think? Between already and Aganisu, and I think we agree that that's the route they're going to take, who's working heel in that match? Is it RED or is it Aganisu? Oh, I think it's going to be the really cute thing that SB Kento is going to try to think that he's the big bad guy. And then he steps up and he sees a former sumo and he sees Suchi Kondo and realize, 
oh, when keeping it real goes wrong. And I think then Aganisa is going to tell him why they are the original heels, why why villains all wear similar colors. That is what Aganisu roughly translates into. And I think that it's going to be something where it, it's going to be an interesting thing because I think that the, the, for, at least for one night, SBK will be back to a face. And I have no idea what a face Dai Inferno is going to be. I, I don't think Dai Inferno is going to play face at all there, but... I think you, you, that, don't, you don't expect a big cell job from Dia Inferno with Diamante mask. stretching out the arm to make that hot tag. Oh, God. I'm just imagining right now Brother Yashi having him like in a chin lock and, and, and Inferno's just flailing, selling it, and the mask just SBK, looks exactly the same. SBK. SBK. The, the chance for SBK come in as we're begging, we're pleading for Dia Inferno to make the hot tag at this Open the Triangle Gate match. I would love to see it. I would love to see it because I do think the more interesting option here is Aganisu working on top, having SB Kento sell, having Diamante sell, and Inferno can kind of stay out of that action. And I think this company's smart enough to do that. But yeah, I would really like to see Aganisu work on top. And for as nervous as I am about the idea of them winning, just because I, I don't necessarily want to watch them. I do think that is the most interesting outcome, and I think we're on the same page there. I do want to circle back to the 731 match, R.E.D. and Masquerade. I think there is real match of the weekend potential here. Let me get a temperature check from you. Scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you about that match? I'm about a good 7.5. Good 7.5. I really think these combinations of guys... In particular, obviously, Dragon Daya, Daya Inferno, but Espy Kento and Jason Lee, they have been working this angle on Twitter. These guys have been chomping at the bit to get to each other. I think these are two guys that are going to rise to the occasion on the big stage. And then at that point, it's a matter of Diamante and La Estrella. And who's the one guy outside of Susumu Yokosuka, the Tim Duncan of pro wrestling that Estrella has worked well against? It's Diamante. Everyone here has a guy there have been very few Triangle Gate matches really over the past, you know, a few years, this generation of Triangle Gate, where I feel like there is uh, noticeable momentum going into this match. But we've talked about it for seven months now, eight months since Masquerade really came to be in December of 2020. The Masquerade versus RED matches always deliver. This is the biggest one we've gotten. I think the combinations of guys are terrific. I think they're all going to work well with one another. This is one of those matches that if it clicks just right, I think it's going to be really good. I think it's either going to be three and a half stars or it's going to be four and a half stars. And there's no real in between there. And my gut is telling me this is going to be a special open the triangle gate match. Yeah, I guess like that's the interesting thing that I'm like looking at the show here and like I have expectations already for Minora and Ada like that. But there is no reason why that should not be a four star plus match. Okuda and Horiguchi, I'm right now three and three quarters, maybe to four and a quarter. The tag match, that's going to be four to four and a half. Uh, the Dreamgate match starts at four and a quarter and go up to this. But like this Triangle Gate match, like I think the floor is a, I think the floor is a very good three and a quarter star match that maybe does not get a lot of time. But if the everything's rolling here and if everyone, if they get time, we get the face-offs that we need. We get the crowd invested in it, into it. 
this could walk away being the match of the weekend, I think. I just, I really like these pairings. You know the Inferno and Die combination. They're going to do their job. Estrella and Diamante aren't going to have a big role. They're going to be a small piece of the pie that makes up this match, but we've seen They're those two can do it. They are the crust of this match. They are going to do the stuff that looks good. Okay, they are going to be the yeah. reason, the gifts where you want to check out this match, but it is the apple crumbles in the middle. The apple pie of this match is going to be Jason Lee versus SB Kento. Okay, that is going to be the good stuff. That's what you really want to get to, because I have no doubt we've seen it. SB Kento is going to rise to the occasion. This is going to be maybe not the biggest match of his life, because you could argue that the Dead or Alive main event is bigger, but this mm-hmm. is a featured match for him on the biggest stage, on the biggest weekend. And this guy, despite being 21 years old, seems to be perfectly comfortable in that position. And what have I said all year about Jason Lee? If he was in New Japan, in a non-Hiromu environment, if he was in Noah against anyone, if he was in All Japan, if he was in Gleet, if he was in Big Japan, if he was in Zero One, if he was in Freedoms, this man would be considered the best junior on the roster. Clear out the lane, give Jason Lee and SB Kento some time to cook, and I think we're on board for a special, special Triangle Gate match. And, and I'm just going to just further illustrate the role they're putting SB Kento in, because I think that this is really worth kind of getting into for a moment. SB Kento, Dead or Alive 2021, was in the cage match, was not really involved at Champion Gate. He was into undercard matches with high end. Then we go to Final Gate. He, he was the reason why RED won and why Tori Mod Generation fell. Let's go a little bit backwards there, Case. Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival. Actually, Gate of Origin. He was in the Triangle Gate match there. Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival 2020. Yes, it was in November. He was the he came in as Dream as Triangle Gate champion and came out as Triangle Gate champion. And then let's go a little bit further back in the month. Let's let's take it back to the third at Edion Arena Osaka. He was X in his first big show where he was on the main card he was x and red and won the triangle gate belts against a team uh, against a vacated belt but against team boku at this time so essentially since he's been put on big shows sb kento has been put in a role where the kid knocks it out of the park he's a main event player already at 21 he's already someone that's taken some of his win card, like, like if you want to look at like the bio of like holds wins over X, Y, and Z, this was like SmackDown 2006, littered with the cream of the crop in the Dragon System here. There's no way that SB Kento is not going to deliver here. Mike, what did, what did Jay say? He said if he was three inches taller, he'd be championed by now. And when he said that, I didn't flinch. That's exactly it. He's unbelievable. I still think, you know, we'll talk about the Dreamgate situation in just a second. But like I said, I think it was last week. If Shun Skywalker leaves this weekend as Dreamgate champion, I think the man to beat him will be SB Kento. Now, I don't think Shun is leaving this weekend as champion, but it's an option that I can't ignore. It's a very realistic option to say that SB Kento, by, by the time the calendar turns to 2022, could at the very least have challenged for the Dreamgate belt. It's absurd what's happening. It's absurd how good he is. And as I've said on the show, I talked about it with Jay, the weakest component of his game is his in-ring. 
And I think putting him in there with Jason Lee, giving those two time to work, we could finally see that that the beginnings of the signature SB Kento in-ring performance. It could happen here. It could happen in this Triangle Gate match. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's just someone that it it's such a pleasure watching someone develop like this. And you know how much of a pervert I am for this kind of stuff, Case, right? Like, I love, there's a few things I like more in sports and in pro wrestling than watching someone at the beginning of their career and then see them actualize on their potential. And this is a kid who has unlimited potential at this point. And it could come together. It could come together here, and he will become the the ace of the next era in the post-Yoshino, uh, post-Yoshino Dragon Gate. Now, I don't expect that. It's a suddenly click right now. But it's something where, like, okay, now we see where the road is. Because this is a kid of an unlimited potential. And time after time again, like, case, okay, so out of those matches that I listed there, did he bring any of those matches down by his in-ring performance there? No, he's he was the glue in those matches. I mean, he's what made them. His November and December of 2020, which was at that point 11 and 12 months into his career, he was X. He had a great performance in the Kobe World match, and then he had an all-time performance in an all-time great match. He's absurd. He's yeah. absurd. So it's going to come together. And the question is, is he going to actualize on that potential on the 31st, or is it going to be something in the future? Because we all see this happening, and I think that unless you're someone that just is probably not listening to the show and probably only cherry picks Dragon Gate, you you all probably know this as well. We're in, we're buckled up. We're all in the same roller coaster together, and right now that roller coaster is the story of SB Kento's career. And we're gonna get some loop the loops. We're gonna get some of those corkscrews there. But by the time we get off this ride, we're gonna think, "Holy crap, we saw something special." In the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, 
Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Twin Gate match could also be match of the weekend. Either of these combinations. What are your thoughts here, Mike? Yeah, so uh, at 7.31, it is the champion team, as I've called a bunch of fucking killers, Kaido Ishida and Kazuma Sakamoto against the Natural Vibes team. Case mentioned them previously. Susumi Yokosuka and King Shimizu on 8-1. The winners get the high-end new team of Dragon Kid and Ben K. And Case, I gotta say, this is the most likely uh, title to have their champions run the table. I think that I think that Red does a clean sweep, and it, it and then we look into the fall and see who could take the belts off these two guys. The issue that I have with the Twin Gate division, and it's one that has persisted for quite a while now. And there have been your moments like when Menorah and Jason Lee won the belt last year, where it seemed like we were about to turn over a new leaf and then it just didn't happen. I struggle with the twin gate division because it never feels like there's a third team building momentum. We preview these twin gate matches on these big shows all the time. And the issue is that I never know what's next. And it just seems like that is something that has continuously hurt this division over the past few years where there's no, you know, real dominant team. I don't think we've seen, you know, a lights out high level team in terms of the booking since Shima and Dragon Kid CK won. And of course, they didn't even they didn't even lose those belts. They vacated them due to injury. So we never got the ultimate payoff there. But the issue is that now we've got these teams who are good but not great, these teams who win matches but are not dominant. And then what's next? We're always just guessing what's next. There never feels like there's a logical conclusion of where these teams go next. And that's a similar issue here because ultimately, whoever leaves this weekend, I'm going to be satisfied with their result. I think these are three great teams if it's a sheet on sakamoto great you have the two hardest hitters on the roster continuing to rip through opponents and i think that's wonderful if it's a sumo and shimizu it gives shimizu something to do it gets the sumo continuously on the top of the card in serious matches and i think that's awesome i think that's going to be a really exciting pairing i look forward to seeing what they can do if it's ben k and dragon kid those are two guys with plenty of twin gate experience but that's a new team. That's something we haven't seen. And that is also really exciting. But the issue that I have with all three teams is that by the time we get to September 20th, what's next? What team is this promotion going to throw together to get through defense number one? And that's very bothersome to me. And I don't like that. It's frustrating. This is my style of wrestling. I love the twin gate style more than anything else, but I don't like the randomness that this division has been plagued with over the past few years. Yeah, and it's something that you just like go down that list. So, and, and I mean, when 
uh, when Hulk and Yamato kind of felt like the most like solidified team in the division for a while, because like, let us forget, let's not forget, Ginky and Susumu were never really a tag team before they kind of came together with that, and they strung together that Kyushu Pro and Twingate run. Never really a tag team there. And you like look at this here, and I think that's the thing that's kind of hurting the division. Like not from a ring work standpoint, I think the ring work there, I mean, Kaido Ishida has been phenomenal since his heel turn, and Kazuma Sakamoto is legit great in Dragon Gate. But you don't have like, this is like the, the, like, like the big thing about this division. Like there's been so many just cornerstone, and I know you use cornerstone a lot, but so many important tag teams through the history of the Twin Gate division. And they're not really around anymore. Like Mochi Fuji tag, but it's not seen as the same thing as it was in 2009. Yoshi is done after the first. Uh, Ryosuka and Kaneska, obviously that's not going to happen right now. And then like you like you move further down the card, Big Ben's not getting back together. And it, you just kind of like walk away of going like, all right, this is a very turbulent division and a division that for the longest time was focused around such like pronounced tag teams. Like outside of Big Ben and maybe bit and maybe Ata and Big R Shimizu. I always called them Big E, but I always kind of felt weird calling them Big E. But have can you think of like a solidified tag team in this division over the last four years? I can't. No, I I think Big Ben was the closest we got. I think people were into that team. Their in-ring output was always solid. Shimizu and Ato were close. I just don't think they teamed for long enough to necessarily right. have that moniker. They teamed basically mm. from World through Final Gate of that year, and then I, I don't remember ever seeing them again because they, they moved on to bigger and better things. It's very frustrating because, again, the in-ring is still there. I mean, I you know I raved about the Mochizuki Yoshida stuff this year. I thought that was great. I was elated when Jason Lee and Minora won those belts last year, and unfortunately, a positive COVID test killed that reign. But it's frustrating because, yeah, you look at the history of the Twin Gate division, Shima and Dragon Kid, Susumu and Kagatora, T-Hawk and Eita, Tozawa and Shingo only held the belts once, but it's still, it's Tozawa and Shingo. It's Yamadoi. Under 18, by the way. Under 18, oh, by the way. My God, that, that rain Tozawa and Shingo was uh, wonderful. Uh, leading up to the Eita T-Hawk match at World 2014, which mm-hmm. I think is one of the better Twin Gate matches ever. Yeah, and, and like that's the thing. Like You list off all these teams, and like there's been a lot of incredible Twin Gate matches. Like Minnow Lee versus Kazma and Hulk last year was great stuff. Phenomenal stuff there. But it's lacking the foundation that this division is built on. And that's what makes it so turbulent. Like you don't have these set teams anymore. And that's like one of the bad things about not having summer adventure tag league after Kobe world was it kind of like forced Mochi Fuji to team up again together and Nesca reuniting, you know, that dragon kid and Ada run in the last one. It's just, they're missing out on so much. It's like a missing piece that it doesn't necessarily bother you. You could complete the puzzle, but you know, that piece is not there and that's going to bother you. Right now, I, I think the issue is that, and part of what we're saying is almost hypocritical because we've been such a fan of this promotion pushing new talent, establishing new stories, moving in a new futuristic direction. The issue that I have here 
is not that these 21, 22, 23-year-olds have become these established tag teams with some lore to their name. The issue is that it doesn't seem like there's effort to go in that direction. They seem like an afterthought. This division feels like an afterthought. It seems like something that is out of sight, out of mind, until we have to get to a big show, and then we go, oh, uh, who's who's left? Okay, you guys are going to go in there, have a great match, and then we're just going to reset at the end of the month. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm bothered by that because... I love any of these outcomes. I I personally think R.E.D. is going to go over on night one. I think we're both on the same page there. R.E.D. is going to beat Natural Vibes. I I do get the feeling that Ben K and Dragon Kid is just a team that Dragon Gate is going to really get behind. I think they want those guys holding titles, and I do think they are going to beat R.E.D. I like that outcome. I do think the most interesting outcome, though, is keeping the belts on Ishida and Sakamoto, R.E.D. running the table. We'll see if it happens. Yeah, it, it, I, I do kind of get that feeling about Dragon Kid and Bin K too. Like, it does seem like that's something that they are going to want to be able to kind of solidify about, and especially with the idea that High End likely will be the super face unit going forward. It, it's going to be important to have as many belts in that unit as possible. So I can see that. I just personally, for my own self-interest, I love this uh, Kazuma and Kaito team. I want it to continue on forward because the sad thing about this division, as we were just saying, after the solid run is done, who knows that these two will tag team together? Like, we don't know that now. So, and, and, and it's something that like, I mean, I mean, like we've talked about like for months of pining for like a UT and Kamei tag team, but like wanting to see stuff like this. I mean, Bensuke is a known entity in the promotion it's not just something that's like talked about like like oh yeah back history binke and keisuke akuda they're friends no they've tagged him and they've named them being binsuke because of that and it's just not a focus so i could see that happening your, your idea about like that they want to have belts on them and they're going to want to make them a featured act and i mean it's something that probably for the both of those two guys it makes sense at this point i mean dragon kid i mean twin gate champion is kind of where he's at right now in his career and binke unless that he's getting another Dreamgate push is kind of where you can slot him in as well. So I, I could see that. I just personally, maybe I, what what the heart wants is um, is Reg to clean sweep, to have one ch- one pair of champions in my mind clean sweeping. But what the brain says is you, you've talked me into that. The brain says high end at the end of the weekend. It just seems like a combination they'd really get behind. Ben K hasn't held a triangle gate, or I'm sorry, a twin gate belt since. Uh, early 2019 he he and big ben uh that was during their red days they won the twin gate belts at final gate 2018 yeah. lost them uh, 120 days after so that was uh was that champion gate 2018 that was gate of passion 2018 to kai and yamato in a match that i remember not liking at all uh but was you that, know, they, cross they, that that was that was that was yeah. a 25 minute match that felt like a 52 minute match that was that was quite the exercise of patience there but it's been the, the point there is it's been two years since we've seen Ben K with one of these belts. It's been three years since Dragon Kid held the Twin Gate belt. His last run was that CK1 run with Shima, which ended at the end of 2017 due to a Dragon Kid injury. So they would feel fresh. I would be okay with that. I, I think Ashita Sakamoto are fresh. I think Susumu Shimizu are fresh. I think Dragon Kid, Ben K are fresh. There's no wrong options here it's only wrong in how they follow up with it. No, yeah, like that—that that's always the thing. Is like, is this going to be another turbulent title run here? We're we actually going to get something with stability and actually get a real 
team out of this that we've kind of been talking about for the last 10 minutes really, really wanting. In case, that brings us to the big one. This brings us to the Open the Dreamgate Championship as Shun Skywalker will defend, make his fifth defense at Kobe World against the 2021 King of Gate KZ. And the winner has the Ace Yamato in his first Dreamgate match in almost three years. Really just interesting stuff. I'm having an article, but by the time that, probably by the time that this goes up, y'all will see talking about all three of these guys. In case you know what I do with these articles, I usually go through and I spend 4,000 words talking about each guy's career. It'll be up on uh, on open the on open the voicegate.com on voices of wrestling.com as part of dragon <laughs> gate week is, is there a, is there something i need to know mike are we are we uh splitting from ultimo well, dragon aka rich crate is there something that you need to tell me well you know i've been getting some trademarks lately and <laughs> it, it, so there's it, this it, surfboard you see and it has a logo on it yeah, 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 yeah. This the Spears of Vations thing that I've been talking about for a while. <laughs> about that. Welcome to the Spears of Vation family of products. Uh, no. So, Shun and KZ night one, uh, and then winner gets Yamato night two. We have really talked a lot about the situation here at hand. Interesting way. There's four results here that we broke down before. But case, what do you actually? Let's reverse a bit. What do you think will be the most interesting outcome coming out of the weekend? Most interesting result to me is KZ beats Shun Skywalker on night one, and then KZ beats Yamato on night two. I think that would be the most interesting option. KZ is 0-4 career in Dreamgate matches. He's 0-5 against Yamato in his career. I think he can put one on the board in both of those columns this weekend. I think he can run the table. I think we could leave this weekend as we say goodbye to Masato Yoshino. Your your thoughts on KZ being a top guy may waver. Not everyone's convinced he's there. I think he's there. I think this is the time to do it. I think you have to make a statement with KZ this weekend. And I think the most interesting option is a clean sweep of the current Dreamgate champion, Shun Skywalker, and the ace of the promotion, Yamato. Okay, so that was going to be my most interesting one case. So I'm going to talk about my second most interesting one right here. Okay, because I, I, I echo everything you said there. I think that's something that Jay talked about, the moment and losing the moment. And you made that awesome Tyler Black Ring of Honor analogy there. And it does seem like actualizing on the moment, actualizing is my word of the show, uh, but just capitalizing on what's happening here. I think that's the most interesting thing way to go. And then you have a lot of matches up front with Casey. I mean you're going to want to run back Mochizuki sometime. Like, you have to. The the match that made KZ's career. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff you could do there. But my number two is Shun Skywalker defeating KZ, getting his sixth key, and then defeating Yamato and getting his seventh key, and then pretty much having an open book for future champions because he's mostly been facing RED and people of his generation lately. Like, that's what most of his reign has been. But what if then Mr. Oda City comes out and we get Shun Skywalker versus Naruki Doi at Dangerous Gate? And now the idea of he's already put his stamp on being the, the, the flag bearer of this generation. He's already proved that he's, the t- he's beaten the top person of the previous generation, and now he's just c- coming for heads. I think that after KZ doing a clean sweep, I think Shun Skywalker is the most interesting result that can come out this weekend. 
the interesting thing with Skywalker is that he's been champion since November. So so what is that? Nine months? Is that right? Is that my math right there? Yeah, no, it will be Kobe World to Kobe World. He'll be champion, but it's not a true Kobe World to Kobe World. Yeah, yeah. So he's been champion for quite a while now. He's had one, two, three, four defenses, only four defenses and three of them, the last three against RED guys. There are guys like Akuda who have titles where it feels like their reign is done. We're ready to move on. The thing is, it would not shock me at all. I don't think it's the most likely outcome, but it would not shock me if Skywalker plays that scenario out, if he beats KZ and he beats Yamato, because it really does feel like there's a lot left on the bone with this Shun Skywalker Dreamgate run. You have a possible Mochizuki match. You have a possible Doi match, and I think that match is really interesting. That's a match that's never happened before. You have at least two there. Maybe you throw Susumu in the mix. Who knows? There's a lot more you can do with Skywalker. The issue is that it does feel like it is time for a new champion, and I do think it would be weird. I I, I just... I really don't like the Yamato aspect of this because there's a part of me that thinks it would be weird if you didn't change uh, champions this weekend because it's the biggest weekend of the company. You'd like to crown a new champion. You'd like to have the confetti fall down. The other argument is it doesn't matter because everyone is going to be talking about Masato Yoshino at the end of this weekend. He is going to be the headline grabber. Why would you waste Yamato's record-breaking fifth championship win on a show that no one's going to remember it on? Or why would you waste KZ's uh, big coming-of-age moment on a show where the next night it's going to be overshadowed by Masada Yoshino? They've put themselves in a rock and a hard place, and I, I, I don't think there's a wrong outcome here, but at the same time, I don't know what outcome is most appealing. So here's some quick facts here, Case, that I just pulled up here. When was the last time... We'll play a game with this. When was the last time that a Dreamgate was properly defended, that the champion walked into Kobe World Cannon Hall and walked out as Kobe as Open the Dreamgate champion? Is that Yoshino versus Shingo? Yes, that was. 2018. Who was the last King of Gate winner to not win in their title defense, in their title challenge? I think I'm going to go two for two here. I think it was T-Hawk in 2017. That's correct. So it's been a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. You nailed it. Two for two here. Uh, It's been a couple of years since this happened where we did not have either a title change or the King of Gate winner winning the title. And if you go back like past like King of Gate since before or before the T-Hawk one, even more people who win the belt there. It's the Royal Road for a reason. You, You start your run at danger at dead or alive you completed at kobe world it's gonna be very interesting if this doesn't play out the way we expect and we doesn't play off there just like the idea of it fits casey's character a lot for him to come so close and to not get it and him being like the first one in a while and just in the same way it will be it fits casey a lot to be a zero key champion so it's very fascinating yeah yamato does it i think we both agree yamato Coming out of this, the uh, Dreamgate champion is the most likely scenario. Yeah, Jay made one hell of an argument, and it's one that that has replayed in my head since he made it about KZ beating Skywalker and then losing to Yamato. I, I really thought that was a nightmare situation 
And now I just merely think it's the most unappealing situation. But even then, I have a little bit of faith in them if they do it to where it doesn't hurt KZ in the long term. Whereas previously, I would have said, oh, my God, this is this. This will be it for him. That He's screwed. I don't think that anymore. I don't think that outcome would be great for him, but I do think he could recover. I, I got to say, I had not put a ton of thought into Skywalker running the table. But now that you throw that out there and you it's have interesting, the doi right? match, you, you have the doi match. I think the Mochizuki Dojo connection I, and their previous singles match history, meaning King of Gate 2019, which was a match that finished in my top 10 in Voices of Wrestling Match of the Year voting that year between Skywalker and Mochizuki. I think that match is worth running back. I think it, there is a, a, an interesting uh, uh, idea to this of whoever leaves between Skywalker, Casey, and Yamato. I could see Mochizuki getting a title shot from any three of those guys, and this is a podcast that would obviously fully support that decision. But the thing is, like, I, I think I had programmed in my brain this idea of like, well, it's world Skywalker's got to lose. But Skywalker, again, that rain does not feel like it's over. That rain has some meat on the bone, and I would prefer if he does leave this weekend as champion that we move away from the RED defenses. I don't think we need Skywalker versus Kai, although that does certainly seem like a match that could happen. I would really like to see him finish off his reign as Dreamgate champion, a cursed reign, but not one. I, I, I think the curses have almost been a little bit overblown. The Ben K match was great until the fucked up finish. The hip hop Kakuta match was a once a one in a million thing. But in between that is the Ashita match, which uh, Jay and I both agree is Drangate's match of the year right now. And the Cosmo Sakamoto match, which is Joe Lance's Drangate match of the year right now. There are two not not rock solid, but great, great defenses in between the bad luck of Skywalker. And I think there's more of him to give. And you haven't quite swayed me. I don't think they're going to do that. I still, my clubhouse leader is Skywalker over KZ and Yamato over Skywalker. But God damn, Skywalker running the table sounds appealing now that I really think about it. Let me give you another potential match he could have. Like, I'm really talking myself into wanting this happen now. Uh, him versus Asumu. Getting maybe having that at Edeon Arena, like what happened to him before he went on excursion, maybe that a little bit there. Is, this is, is, a, is that a match? Is that a match that Sasumu won? Yes, Sasumu won. Remember, this was during the yeah, losing streak. Yeah, before this he is. Left. Yeah, this is a uh, uh, that was Dangerous Gate 2019. Oh, that Susumu, was Oda. That that was Oda. That was third from okay. the top, and Oda uh, with Ata and Shimizu versus Horiguchi and Keizi in that crazy no DQ Twin Gate match, and then Ben K versus Yamato that followed it. Um, yeah, that's that's another match that's going to be out there. I don't see Susumu rolling out of this weekend with a Twin Gate belt on his shoulder. That's another possibility. It, you you have really made an argument here, Mike Spears that Shun Skywalker could leave this weekend as champion. And it, it, it is one where to me, my brain just immediately went to let's make the new guy. It's Casey's time. And I still, I, I still worry about his long-term if he doesn't win the belt this weekend, but man, there's just a lot more you can do with Shun Skywalker. I, I uh, the, the issue, and I guess, I guess we have this hurdle to clear. Let me throw this at you. Cause it's a perspective okay. we haven't looked at here. If Shun Skywalker beats Casey, and he beats Yamato. 
what does Kota Minora do? Are we doing Skywalker versus uh, Minora at Dangerous Gate? You would know better than me. Has there ever been unit versus unit Dream Gate match? The only one that comes to mind is Yoshino versus Shingo, and I almost wouldn't even count that one because Shingo had one foot out the door of Monster Express. Well, Doi defended against uh, Yoshino during World One. A Dream Gate match. Okay, yeah, that was that. The, that was their Cork and Hall match, wasn't it? I believe so. But yeah, I remember okay. them having so, so, a match there. So there you go. It is would that shock you? Skywalker versus Minora. Is that a direction you could see them going down? That's another match and another match away from RED. Yeah, no, I, I think that's entirely possible. I do think that if that happens, it, if Skywalker does uh does run the table, I do think that then we're pushing back Minora's first title shot until probably Gate of Origin at that point. But uh, I I think that's just because I feel like that doy. I mean, Mister Oda City, he he has that name for a reason. Uh, it it's it's just one of those things that like the more I'm talking about, the more I'm talking myself into wanting Shin Skywalker winning this weekend because it we've seen Dreamgate runs peter out a lot, but have we seen someone that just had like I mean the Ada match was okay, it was good, and, and then just having like just inadvertent catastrophes happen in two out of his other four matches, and then just ends the reign of just nonstop bangers and fully just becomes, like, one of the guys. I mean, because that's going to be the big story when we transition into talking about the main event of Speedstar Final is that we are entering a new era of Dragon Gate fully on August 2nd. It's, are we going to be seeing this era that Shun Skywalker is going to be at the forefront? He's going to become a key collector, and and that's going to happen. Or are they just going to move away and it's going to be kind of like Binke, where he's still going to be a guy, but he's not going to be pulling focus until he gets another Dreamgate shot. And I kind of want to see what happens if they go full court press with Shin Skywalker. Let me let me throw this at you. One more thing before we get to Yoshino's retirement. I mentioned this just a second ago. 2019, KZ versus Skywalker at World. KZ wins. The next show, Dangerous Gate. What is KZ doing? He's in an open the twin gate match. Coach Minora versus Aicha. We've compared that. We've said this is the blueprint. Do what KZ versus Skywalker did and you'll be successful. Minora versus Aicha. Let's say Minora wins. Dangerous Gate 2021. Whether it's Ashida and Sakamoto or Ben K and Dragon Kid, would it surprise you at all if they're defending the belts against Jason Lee and Coach Minora? No. No, not at all. Yeah, I... I look, I think Minora's hot. I think there's something there. I'm not saying he needs to win the Dreamgate belt. I do think his career would be helped by a soul-crushing Dreamgate defeat at this point in his career. For the video packages in the future alone, I want that footage. I want to be able to replay that as time goes on. But it's not the end of the world if a guy who was younger than 25, if a guy who was less than five years into his career, for as hot as he is now, he is talented enough, and it is clear by the fact that Masao Yoshino gifted him the Soul Naciente that this is not going to be the only time he's atop the card in his Dragon Gate career. I would like him to challenge and lose for the Dream Gate belt, but it is not the end of the world if he merely makes a lateral move out of Kobe World to another title or to another featured feud instead of immediately challenging for the Dreamgate. 
I think it is a service to him. I think it is a positive if he and Lee are gunning for the Twin Gates come Oda Ward City Gymnasium Dangerous Gate 2021. And I think it's a positive if his unit mate Shun Skywalker is defending the Open the Dream Gate belt on that show. My final conclusion after this wonderful discussion on the Dreamgate belt, and I do not say that sarcastically, I think you made tremendous points, Mike. I think the most interesting option is Shun Skywalker retaining his belt in both matches. I still, however, think the most likely option is Shun over KZ and Yamato over Shun. I, I think Yamato's coming out with the belt. I'm just not certain about that uh, Kobe world finish when that happens like that's the thing like there's the obvious story of shun winning again but then he's can't do it two nights in a row and then the idea that kz can't get over the hump and both of those are i think are similarly compelling right like those are like there's a lot there for both of those and then a lot that can be played off in the future where like yamato down the line if he's maybe not this Dreamgate run but he's probably gonna get a sixth one after this uh that that shun skywalker says hey you beat me but you beat me after I had a Kobe World main event the night before. That was a once-in-a-lifetime scenario. I've got you now. Like, I feel like that that's a very interesting thing that they would do down the line there. And then, I mean, KZ, you know, I mean, he's he, he's about my age. He's still got years left. And you, you could play off uh, him and Yamato saying, like, hey, I overcome one hurdle that night. I need to overcome the second one. I just can't decide which one I think is more likely. I, I, I think it's Shun. I think it's more likely that Shun runs into the wall and he just can't do it two nights in a row. So I think it's going to be Shun retaining and then Yamato defeating Shun. I think we're on the same page there. There's one more thing, unless I'm forgetting something that we need to talk about, Mike, and it is the final match of Masato Yoshino's career. That is right. That is the only non-title match that has been announced at the time of recording, as Jay mentioned on the previous show. I think there's probably going to be a battle royal on the undercard for Speed Star Final, but the main event in Masato Yoshino's final match, he will be teaming with his partner, Naruki Doi. Speed Muscle Doyoshi will run, will ride one more time as they will go up against the only other member of the Big Six not who is available at this time, who has not left the company, who is not in a Dreamgate match. BB Hulk, and currently the person who kind of leads the current generation of Dragon Gate and Eita. So it's Doyoshi versus R.E.D. for Masato Yoshino's retirement match. This match really caught me off guard when it was announced. This is not the direction that I thought we were going to go. I, I thought we would get a trios match with Yoshino, Doi, and Ultimo against insert wrestlers here, and I could never really figure out a combination of guys that I that I really liked. I thought at one point it would be interesting to do Doi and Yoshino and Ultimo against Skywalker and whoever else. I I thought maybe they would wrestle against the main event players in the promotion. In a way, they're doing that. They're doing the Speed Muscle versus Hulk and Ata match. I have no issue with it. Again, it's not what I would have done. Caught me by surprise. It really took me a minute to formulate a take on this match. But I like it. I think it's the right way to go. There was zero chance of them doing Doi versus Yoshino in a singles match. Get that out of your mind. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't ever going to happen. Doi and Yoshino teaming is the right way to go about this. I guess the elephant in the room, the thing that we've been asked multiple times on Twitter now, Mike, at Open Voice Gate, 
does Doi turn on Yoshino in this match? I think they will tease it. I think they will tease the ever-loving hell out of a moment where Yoshino is going to hold up BB Hulk or Eita for the Bakatari sliding kick like so many times. And there's going to be a moment that the crowd's going to guess they're going to think it's going to happen again. But I think Naruhi Doi, he, he's not going to let his he's not going to let his friend go out that way. He loves turning on him, but you know he's made a big point of that. And with the with the way he is as a figure, unless he's going to be the next heel leader, like that is something you do if you're going to become the next heel leader. He's not going to turn on Yoshino in his final match. I think I think there's much more of a better chance that someone else turns in this match than I think that, or in the post match than I think about Doi turning on Yoshi for a third time. Expand on that thought. Who's turning in this match? Well, again, very low percent chance. Uh, Suit Williams, a VOW contributor, asked me this online uh, do, if I thought Ada was turning here. And I can't dismiss it out of hand or in the post-match, but I give it a 10% chance that Ata might finally do the long-awaited face turn heel here. But I just... I, I think that they're going to have the, the really good moment for Yoshino's farewell, and then they're going to reassess things on, at, at Edeon Arena in August. You know I love the suit Williams, one of my favorite people on Voices of Wrestling, a good Twitter follow. This man has been writing about Brock Lesnar's career on VoicesOfWrestling.com, and those are really good reads. Suit does good work, and I think suit is on to something here. As for the doy component of things, for as much heat, and we talk about heat in Japanese wrestling all the time now with Dick Togo and what he's doing in New Japan, we talk about heat. And the heat of doy turning on Yoshino, to me, is not as valuable as the post-match celebration of Doi and Yoshino embracing one final time, of Doi and Yoshino likely ending up on a magazine cover of Doi and Yoshino, that photo, that video being replayed over and over again on video packages until the end of time. The heat that Doi would get would be monumental. But to me, that is not more valuable than Doi and Yoshino embracing in the ring one final time. Now, let me just say, August 11th, Cork and Hall, Tokyo, Japan, maybe you've heard of it. If Naruki Doi turns heel there, I will not be surprised at all. I, I, I'm not leading with that theory. I don't know if that's going to happen, but oh boy, in the back of my mind, Mike Spears, I am thinking Masato Yoshino is not there to keep Naruki Doi in check anymore. This man might snap and he might do it sooner rather than later. But I think Suit Williams has the right idea. Since Masato Yoshino announced his retirement, Eita has been the one targeting him time after time after time. And then they cool off on it. You know, in this Speedstar final countdown, it hasn't been Ata running in and pile driving Masato Yoshino. But you got to remember, for the first three months of 2020, before, uh, you know, COVID just wrecked their schedule, that was the formula, was Yoshino would wrestle on TV, and then Ata would come out and attack him. And they were building and building and building towards Ata being the one to end Masato Yoshino's career. And now Eita has a chance to do it, but he's going to eat the loss to Coach Minoru the night before. And he's in a spot where he's now in a unit where Kaito Ishida has momentum and Kazuma Sakamoto has momentum and Hip Hop Kakuta had momentum and SB Kento has momentum. 
And Ata just doesn't feel like he's the leader of this unit anymore. And Ata, for his entire career, has been stuck in this situation where he's either antagonizing his elders and the millennials, anyone born before 1990, were their enemies, or he has been desperate for the approval of his elders, him and over-generation, him with Dragon Kid, him with Shima to some extent. And I think there is no bigger place, no better place to turn the tables after years of once again antagonizing his elders, antagonizing Dragon Kid, antagonizing Masato Yoshino, for him to once again flip the script and save Masato Yoshino from an all-out R.E.D. assault to end his career. I think Ata's coming to save the day. I think Ata's turning face. And I think there is value, much like there is value in Doi posing with Yoshino at the end of the show. I think there is value in Ata posing with Masato Yoshino to end the show. And as we exit this era of the promotion, as we say goodbye to Dragon Gate as we know it, with Yoshino no longer in the picture, there is no better time to recalibrate the direction of Ata going forward. I think you turn him face here in the post-match, and I think you hit the ground running in August of 2021. We talked with Jay about how so much of this year, due to injuries, due to scheduling, due to COVID, has been a holding pattern. But you have a chance exiting Speedstar Final, hitting into August, where you have one, two, three, four, five, six live events on the Dragon Gate Network that month. You can hit the ground running, and you can do it with a new, mature, babyface Ata. I think that is absolutely the route to take, and I think Suit Williams nailed it. I'll add one more thing onto that. How notable it would be, because nearly everything else is claimed but his face and his theme. If in the post-match, Yoshino has like this little moment after Ata protects him, you know, protects him from the assault, and it's like, I was hoping you would come to your senses. You get the lightning spiral. How powerful yeah. would that be, Case? I, I, I think that's the move. I think that is absolutely the move. H is a guy who, you know, he's got the super kick. He's got the numero uno. It wouldn't kill him to have another finisher. And he's someone that that doesn't really want to, you know, I, look, he doesn't do the cop killer move. I forget what he calls it. He doesn't do that one all that often. I don't blame him. If I was on the roster. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't really want to be taking that move. Not that the lightning spiral is a is a much better option, but I do think the lightning spiral is a bit of a better option. I think that would be perfect for him. I think that's something he could use sparingly and use effectively. I think that's the route they're going to go, and I am uh, frothing at the mouth of that possibility. Yeah, like that's my best case scenario. Like when I said ten percent, I just did not expect them to, to like execute this i was of the idea that they will close this chapter and then start a new one but i think that would be a, a great piece of continuity if ada you know like they're they're going in they're doing the rub in you know hio's got his dorky pencil and ishida is about to drive it into his stomach or something like that and then ada steps in sends him to the back and red just starts snapping and then you have basically those three fighting off red and then hulk eats a lightning spiral or gets, or has to stop out the Solnasi and take the end of the career. I, I don't think this is a scenario where I would want Yoshino to lose his final match. I think that's something that the image of Masato Yoshino, Jay put it best, he's everything. Masato Yoshino is everything, and there are special rules for people who are everything, and I think the special rules is that Masato Yoshino should win his retirement match. I agree. I, I It wouldn't 
totally shock me if he takes the fall here, but I do think they are going to give him the win. I think it's the right thing to do. And then I think we'll see the post-match fallout from there. It's going to be an emotional show. It's really one of those deals where, you know, we've seen the UHA Nation celebration. We've seen the Pac celebration the first time he left in 2012. We've seen the Ricochet celebration. We've seen the Tozawa celebration. We have never seen anything like what we are going to get with Masato Yoshino. And I am very, very excited for it. Absolutely. And I think that there's no better note for us to end this episode on. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, as we've talked about, this is Dragon Week, Dragon Gate Week on Voices of Wrestling. Case had his incredible article to kick off the week. We had Jay come back on the show on Tuesday. We have more pieces that either have gone up or will be going up from Chris Samsa and John Hernandez. And we'll have a lot of stuff next week talking about the fallout from the biggest weekend in Dragon Gate's career case. It It's just wild thinking like this has been on the schedule and something that we've talked about before is that they were looking into doing a double Kobe World uh, weekend for a while. Like this is not just because of Masato Yoshino. Obviously, I think this is the best way to treat the weekend with having Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival and having Speedstar Final, but this was going to happen for a while. Been anticipating this now for I mean, Yoshino's retirement for now almost 18 months, and it's kind of wild thinking that it's finally here, and that after August 1st, we'll be entering this new era of the promotion, and it's, for the first time, it's like a new era of the promotion that for us who watch it and cover it, we actually are anticipating the shift versus in the past. Yeah, no, we're we're not going to have a panic article uh, given the fallout of Masato Yoshino's retirement. This is, this is one that we've been able to prep for for a little bit. Yes. I, I'm not going to have Rich slide in my DM say, hey, Mike, uh, can you get this thing done quickly? And then I just go, okay, fine. <laughs> um, yeah, real quick before we go, uh, thank you to everyone who read my Masato Yoshino article. And, and more importantly, uh, thank you to everyone who uh, I asked and contributed to the column. Mike, you obviously had great quotes. Alan Forel, there, there's no more qualified person to talk about Masato Yoshino than him. Lenny Leonard, a tremendous asset. Gran Akuma. I have thought so much about the story that's in there. And if you haven't read the article, it's all over at voicesofwrestling.com. It is titled Speedstar, the career of Masao Yoshino. Gran Akuma tells a story about his wife interacting with Masao Yoshino that has really stuck with me ever since. I asked him those questions over a year ago because we still thought Yoshino was going to retire in 2020. I asked him these questions around this time last year. And that story has stuck with me about just the humanity and it, to some degree, the customer service that Dragon Gate provides and just how they are on another level when it comes to treating their fans. Gran Akuma gave tremendous quotes. Rob Viper provided tremendous insight into Yoshino's time in Mexico and helped me out there. Uh, Jason Lee, current member of the Dragon Gate roster, it was nice enough to communicate with me. He talked about the Final Gate 2017 match, Yoshino, Doi, and Jason Lee against Yamato, Hulk, and KZ. That is one of the all-time great open the Triangle Gate matches, and I got Jason Lee's insight on that match and what he was going through, what he was talking to Yoshino and Doi about before that match, and it turned out to be one of the best ever. Obviously, the Seidel brothers provided a, a tremendous amount of insight. Matt Seidel, who caught Yoshino primarily 
during the come-up, during the blood generation and muscle outlaws eras of Yoshino's career, and then returned in 2014 and 2015. It was able to see the mature aspects of Masato Yoshino, how he had really grown into an adult and into a locker room leader. Mike Seidel, I can't imagine more contrasting personalities between any two people than Mike Seidel (laughs) and Masato Yoshino. And Mike shared this incredible story. It's the, it, it, as soon as he told me it, I knew it was going to be what began this piece about the dedication to perfection that Masato Yoshino has. That is a tremendous story. And Mike Spears, I, I would be remiss if I did not thank Larry Dallas, who provided me with eloquent and engaging and insightful quotes about the career of Masato Yoshino to a point that I can't fucking believe they came from Larry Dallas. Thank you, Larry. (laughs) Thank you everyone who's read it. Thank you to everybody who's contributed. Uh, It's nice to have that done and out of the way. It is my contribution to hashtag VOW 10 as this website is celebrating uh, their 10th anniversary. Most pro wrestling websites don't last two years. Somehow Rich has kept the lights on for 10 I've been here for six years, which is basically a third of my life, 22 years old. I've been writing and covering Dragon Gate for six years since 2015. I love this website. I consider Mike Spears to be a friend, Aaron Bentley to be a friend, Rich Kreich I'm hanging out with this weekend. There are other people on the site that I, I like on a personal level, and I'd like to thank them. And I'd like to thank everybody who listens to the Open the Voice Gate podcast in a way we're all friends here. We're all just having a good time. And, and I'm very proud of this specific episode. Of open the voice gate. This was good audio, Mike Spears. We should feel good when our heads hit the pillow tonight. Oh, y- you know, other than thinking about dream matches like Mansoor, when I hit my when my head hits the pillow tonight, I'll be like, hell yeah, that 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 was a good almost two hours. Uh, uh one thing since you brought it up, and I didn't because of getting Dragon Gate Week together and now all of that, I didn't get a chance to do that. that like voices wrestling turning ten. Like I was a random Twitter guy who had a. Dragon Gate podcast that lasted for a very short period of time, and I was a message board poster. Rich saw me one night on Twitter just go off about the final deletion, and at that time, I was a lot more involved in video production than I am now, and I, he was like, oh yeah, no, do this, and then I just wrote a 3,000-word article talking about why this wasn't good and why this wasn't camp, and I think PASA, I think the years have vindicated me about that, but ever since then, there's I've never had anything other than just being absolutely proud of being about the site being proud to like to have friends like aaron as you mentioned before and then you know this friendship with case that's kind of really blossomed over the last few years and you know i'm so happy that voices of wrestling has made it this long and has made to a point that i mean you think about the platforms that it's given people who have launched off and do bigger things and you think about just like the the work that like case did like i I, i'm gonna big up you for a second case where we get out of here Case has been like on this article pretty much since I think the final show that year was December 27th, 2019. He's been on this article and I've seen it in various forms over the, the last 18 months. I've, I've contributed to a very musical part. And I think it's one of the best things that voices of wrestling has ever put out there. So if you have not, if you've not read this article one, why haven't you, but two, give it another read there. And it was just, a touching piece of writing there. And I just wanted to congratulate you again on getting that out there. Thank you, Mike. Uh, hopefully as the years go by and more and more original Tori, my guys retire, we'll, uh, we'll have more content like this. This was a blast to do. 
uh, there, there's more. Look, there, I got a, a bunch of great contributions. There are people that I reached out to that I did not hear back from, and I, I will continue to pester them as time goes on because I would like to hear their insight. But in the meantime, again, thank you to everyone. The Seidel brothers, Lenny Leonard, Larry Dallas, Grant Akuma, uh, Jason Lee, who was so, so kind. Jason Lee was such a nice guy to talk to about the career of Masato Yoshino and everybody else that contributed. Really happy with the way that turned out. I, I would put it in the upper echelon of things that are posted alongside what I still think is the gold standard of pro wrestling coverage. Joe Lanza's review of Janichiro Tenru's retirement show in 2015 for my money, look, I think Voice of Wrestling posts great things legitimately almost every day. Our podcasting network is unparalleled. Our written content is second to none. The Tin Root Retirement Show Review is as good as it gets for pro wrestling coverage. And I, I'm very flattered that people are putting my Masato Yoshino piece uh, in the same tier as that, because I really think that was just a tremendous piece of writing. And I'm done saying nice things about myself for the night. Uh, this has uh, fulfilled me with enough confidence to last <laughs> me approximately 48 hours. And I will go back to the grind very shortly to prove my worth to the listeners, to Mike Spears, to myself, to Voices of Wrestling. But let's celebrate Voices of Wrestling 10. Kobe World and Speedstar Final are on the horizon. and We are going to celebrate this weekend. I will re- I will be reviewing the 731 Kobe World Show. Written review will be up at Voices of Wrestling shortly. Doc- uh, Voices of Wrestling shortly after that show was done. Mike Spears has 8-1 Speed Star Final, and he will have a review of that show up at VoicesOfWrestling.com shortly after that show has concluded. Yeah, Dragon Gate Week is not just like during the work week; it goes on afterwards. So you can anticipate those coming your way, and we'll be back next week. I'm certain we will have a whole lot to break down and talk about for that the biggest weekend in the Dragon Systems history. It is Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival 2021 on Saturday. It is the retirement show for the cornerstone of the Dragon System, Masato Yoshino Speed Star Final on August 1st. And we'll be back next week to talk all about it. So you can follow the podcast at Open Voice Gate. You can follow me at Fujiheya. And you can follow case at underscore in your case that, but that's going to do it for this week's episode of open the voice gate. We'll be back with you Tuesday to talk all about the craziest 48 hours in dragon system history. Take care.